0: Awesome. Well, uh, welcome to HR Doctors. I'm super excited to have Lana join me today. Uh, HR Doctors podcast webcast is dedicated to bridging the divide, solutions for better employer, employee, and job seeker connection. Uh, Lana, thanks for joining me. Tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Thank you so much for uh, for having me today. Um, so I've been in the recruitment industry for, oh my goodness, like 18 years now, I think a long time.
0: Amazing. Um,
1: and in that time, um, I've spent um uh beginning of my career in uh agencies. So I was uh an employer agencies for about six years. Um and then I moved to the corporate side with Walmart. And I worked for Walmart for eight years as well, and then with Maple Leaf, and I've also run my own consulting firm uh, in, in, uh, in the talent acquisition space, and I currently work for an organization called RF Smart, where I lead their global talent acquisition.
0: Awesome. Well, I'm super excited to have you with us today and dig into some of the topics we discussed the first one. And I know these numbers won't be as accurate when this goes out. Mm -hmm. uh, But as of last night, I pulled some data in layoffs. Uh, For those who haven't been, there's a site, it's uh, layoffs.fyi. And through 2022 and 2023, there have been 100, or or, sorry, 1,384 tech companies with layoffs. I believe it's North America uh, and 600, or sorry, 261,653 people that have have been laid off through that you uh, and rf spart are in that space and just wondering what your take is on that what you're seeing uh and how that's been affecting uh your company the market in, in general like what are you guys seeing
1: so i probably get a note um at least every other week from an executive in our organization with that email with <laughs> that particular site um it's a big um it's a big Topic, I guess, in 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 all of tech, but does not really impact our organization that much, other than we'd like to recruit from those layoff companies? Yeah. Um, well, let me share a little bit uh why. So um I think what we've seen is a lot of these, especially the tech giants, overhiring in the last couple of years. Um, so um there's and uh and I've heard this also through my colleagues. So this is not just a um, I guess, but I, and I don't think it's just within tech. So I think we're starting to see it in, in other places as well, although maybe not as large. Um, I think it's, uh, um, you know, I've seen it before in my, in my career where there, you know, you have projects or you're building new technologies to adjust to a new environment in the marketplace. And so you hire all these people to do that. And then, you know, you, you let them go afterwards, Um, But it was really different during COVID and during the last couple of years because um, the market was shifting in terms of what was needed in the marketplace, um, you know, um, with people being, you know, 100% remote and lockdowns and all all the different things going on. Um, But as we kind of, I guess, return to the new normal, um, you know, I think that's having a a big impact on those organizations. Um, I also get the feeling that when one does it, it seems to be a trend of it. Oh, it's okay. We can do this now. Um, I don't know um, if that's accurate or not, but um, but certainly it seems that the more do it, the more do it. So it seems to be uh, self-perpetuating. Um, one of the things about the organization I work for is that unlike most of these tech layoffs, we're 100% privately uh, owned, uh, and we have no equity. We have no debt, um, and so um, uh, and very cautious about even though we're growing really fast. Um, about adding headcount that we can't sustain during um, bad times. Um, and we happen to be in supply chain uh, software as a service industry. And supply chain is a big thing right now. So we are actually growing really fast. Um, and then we're thinking about how do we help all these folks? How do we help 261,000 people? Like, well, we can't directly, but how do we as an industry help these folks transition, find new jobs? What does that look like? Um you know, some of the things I think are really important in this space are uh, reskilling, upskilling, like a lot of the boot camp activity happening now um, sure. is you know helpful, especially if if the the layoffs are related to um individuals who've been with an organization a long time. So we have that's one of the things we're doing is we actually have um our own boot camps uh, for for that so that if we have people that whose skills are the men not relevant we are actually retraining them um and on the what do you how do you attract all the individuals been laid off i kind of feel like there's still a lot of opportunity out there there's still a lot of jobs like unemployment is still really low um so i think you know people are still being scooped up pretty quickly
0: yeah yeah we're we're kind of noticing the same we don't recruit in the it space but i had a, a chat with a couple different uh A friends of mine that are in the external talent acquisition space, specifically in IT. And if anything, it's been a bit of a breath of fresh air for them where there are some people that have been extremely hard to hire for highly in demand positions that are coming into the market and some companies that weren't able to compete with the you know, arguably overinflated compensations at times that some of these positions were paying because of the scarcity in the market have mm-hmm. made it more achievable to where there were even some clients of theirs who had projects on where they just show the project because it wasn't feasible for them. And now, mm. you know, those projects are kind of coming back on the table to say, hey, is this something we can actually make happen now? Yeah. What, what are your thoughts? I mean, I feel from a visibility standpoint some of the information that we see through channels like linkedin is mm-hmm. the high visibility of people that are hurt or frustrated with the way that these layoffs have, have happened now i mean again it's mm-hmm. it's you know i think the content that becomes most visible is the maybe sometimes the outlier mm-hmm. uh, or maybe it's the the common opinion but just you know voiced by by few Um, you know, I mean, I guess in understanding of the employer side, it can be challenging if you have to lay 10,000 people off in one shot, that you're not going to be able to have a personal conversation with each of them. You're not gonna be able to have that conversation before, you know, locking them out of the technology platforms that they're utilizing. But I wonder like what you think when we hear that there's people out there saying that, you know, they're not being fairly treated, um, and, and and that there's this kind of negativity. I mean, it's not the first time in the world that layoffs have happened on a, on a large scale.
1: I've never seen layoffs like this though. So sure. I've been a part of layoffs. I've seen organizations do layoffs. Um, I've been blessed that any organization I've worked for has been very kind and taken a very personal approach to it. I gotta be honest, I was shocked by some of the way people have been laid off um and um there okay there's two sides to, to me on this there's the employer side and the like the the personal side but being in the, you know recruitment or the hr space i tend to empathize a lot with you know the individual who's being laid off um i think that it depends on the company what's appropriate i think that if you are um about to go bankrupt, if you don't do it, it might look a little different <laughs> than if you are still highly profitable. And I think it's a mistake that some of these larger organizations that are still extremely profitable, that are going to continue to be profitable and large are doing layoffs the way they are, because it's going to impact their employer brand, it's going to make it more difficult for them that people are going to think twice before they join. They're going to be like, whoa, that could be me in six months or a year from now. They could just be hiring me for this project and then I'm just gone. And so the investment you're going to get from that employee into your product, into your future, might not look the same because of this behavior. So um, I feel bad for the person, but I also see the consequence for the organization of not do, of the way they're doing the layoffs. And I don't, I don't think it's being well communicated why they needed to do it that way. I think if there's a reason why they needed to do it that way, um beyond we just didn't we just wanted to do it all in one shot, which I don't think is the greatest reasoning, um unless again like you're about to like go bankrupt or something, but um even in those cases I've seen people being treated more humanely than I think sometimes they're being treated right now. Yeah. Um, fair. No. Yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah. And it's, it's, I mean, you, you're bang on in the sense that if you create transactional relationships with your workforce, then it's hard for you to expect anything else uh, yeah. from, from those people. And I know, Uh, You know, as we dig into our our discussion further uh, on the back end is your retention strategy. Uh, And I mean, we'll speak on that further, but I know there are many situations where high impact performers who, uh, you know, to replace someone like that on your team would take you months and yet there are times when we get, you know, limited notice period of, of the, you know, the standard two weeks and you kind of go like, this isn't giving me any chance to, uh, you know, go to market, find a suitable replacement, work in conjunction with you to onboard and support this individual through their transition, support you through yours, and ultimately ensure that the, the you know, the sanctity of the company is protected. And maybe that comes through their kind of view of the transactionality and, 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 a almost a fear of being open and honest about what's going on in their side out of, you know, being negatively impacted for it. And, and maybe mm-hmm. that's something that's
1: created internally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, the impact is to the people who are left behind too.
0: Yeah. Right? Yeah. Totally. I mean, it's the
1: people who've been laid off.
0: Yeah. Uh, one of the things that I've, um, kind of a phrase as a way to help my clients is what I call the three pillars of successful hiring and retention. And mm-hmm. there's a lot of different ways to articulate this and there's lots of different strategies around it and maybe other components that aren't included. Uh, but my three pillars are your first being your vision, your mission, your culture, your values, and ultimately who you are as a company, where you're going, how you show up in the marketplace, how you uh, show up to your internal team, to your customers and to your investors or stakeholders. Uh, next, being your recruitment, talent acquisition strategy, and how you go to market and ultimately how you hire people. And then lastly, being how you onboard, how you coach, performance, manage, train, and ultimately create that retention strategy on the back end. And in our pre-chat, we talked about mission and values and how that's been a really like foundational piece for you. Uh, what is, what is mission and values like mean to you and how do those, or I guess maybe first is, do you feel that those, I know we haven't talked about them before, but those three pillars, do those. I guess, a line in terms of the way you see like recruiting and retention, the strategy, is there other pieces to it that maybe aren't included in mine? Like what, what's your kind of view on, on, I guess, that holistic recruitment and retention component?
1: Well, I think that's the kickoff. That's your product. That's what you're selling in the marketplace, right? Um, As a, as a recruitment function, it feeds into the type of audience you're going after the messaging you're using. Um, you know, it uh, it's, you know, so yes, I de- definitely think it's, um, um, it's super important. And then the rest of your extension of that is really the employee life cycle, right? So mm-hmm. all of that feeds through the entire experience of um, an employee, a candidate through an employee. Um, and then I even ex- think it extends for when that person leaves you because, um, you know, your boomerang strategy and your reputation Um, doesn't end with the person who leaves, who resigns or who you lay off or whatever. Um, That's a continuance, right? So I think your strategy also extends your mission, your values. They extend into your reputation with those who used to work for you. Um, um, I'll tell you that I haven't worked with Walmart since 2019 but I still feel a deep connection to them from a values perspective because um, their mission and vision and values are extremely clear. And you felt a part of that when you were there um, and you felt a part of that even when you left, you know, when you left. Right. So, um, you know, so the things are, you know, I, I agree with you. They're very uh, critical to their to recruitment.
0: Well, it's such a, a great uh, a segue in. Um, I mean, we talked briefly at the onset about how, Uh, when you were with Walmart, there was approximately 90,000 people in Canada. You were the director of talent acquisition with them. And it's so cool to hear that you still feel aligned to the vision and the mission and the culture and the values within the organization, even since your departure, what, what was that, I guess, that mission and value piece like from an organizational standpoint of, you know, I, I, you know, and it doesn't have to be specific to them, but I think it's such a great example of you identifying and creating alignment or understanding alignment for yourself when you come in and how that applies corporately and also how that vision rolls itself down to you've got, you know, a large contingent of, of you know, the frontline workers uh, and just how how that organization made made that vision and values real.
1: and um, wow. So they have a unique story that way that starts with Sam Walton. It's just never gone away. Like it's been an extension of uh, a culture that um, you know that that he started there. Um, And um, my experience, and you know, I obviously used to work, you know, in the staffing side too, is that it's really rare to have a mission you can connect everybody to every day in everything right. they do um but it it ge- that mission gives you a purpose so when you're stuck you think back what's the mission right like if i'm stuck deciding what to do or how to move forward is this aligned to the mission is this aligned to our company values does this fit within that or not both in what you're building, like whether you're in TA or in a different, you know, finance or um, sales or wherever you are in an organization, you can connect back to that for driving the company forward. And I think that's like super important because um, it can it creates continuity. Um, and it's driven really by, by, by leadership and the front line has to exist on both. Um, and it can't be artificially created. Like it has to, your company has to be founded, in it and it has to be a continuance of that founding. You can't all of a sudden create it. I don't think. I think creating culture is really, really hard. I know a lot of companies go back and try and recreate their culture or do things. I think that's really, that's really tough. You almost have to start from what what, what is our mission as an organization? What why do we exist? You yeah. know, and one of the reasons I joined RF Smart. Um, actually the primary reason was this, Um, they have a very clear mission and very clear values that everyone is connected to. Um, And so it's very reminiscent of my time at, at Walmart from that perspective, I feel very connected to the work. And when I'm thinking about what I'm doing on a daily basis or how to attract candidates or whatever, it's about like, do you connect to that mission? Does that mean something to you? Do these values mean, Do you connect to them personally? Because if you do, you're going to be excited about going to work on Monday and, you know, and, and solving problems for, for the company.
0: Yeah. Who do you think is ultimately responsible for the creation, the not necessarily implementation, but I guess the creation and then the, the, not the longevity, but the, the, you know, the values and culture and mission living within the organization. You know, it's the one fa- thing to conceptualize. The
1: founders create your mission. Your yeah. mission can change. A yeah. new founder or new can, but the owners, like they're, they're the, that's how, where it has to come from. But it also has, but a, a really strong CEO and a really strong owner um, understands how to foster culture on the front line not just at the top of the house. Yeah. Unless if it's just at the top of the house.
0: Well, how, how do you, how have you seen the successful ones do that?
1: You have to focus on um, the front line as the most important, like, honestly, like, so like uh, that looks different in a SaaS. So in a SaaS, like the, you know, the developers here, the sales folks here, the, the you know, the front line who's with our customer those are that's where it matters the most like it matters everywhere in the organization but those are the folks where our mission matters right with who are touching our customer who are building product for our our customer um you know at walmart it would have been it's like the the cashier the people working in in the store um you know they're the ones who have to really where your your culture is fostered
0: right
1: because that's who's serving the customer so, I mean, I've always been in environments where you're serving, but ultimately everyone has a customer, right? Like someone's paying for your product. <laughs> so, um, but your customers are where, you know, the, the front line, who's, whoever's facing those folks, that's where you have to really foster, I think the culture. Um, and then it kind of feeds into everything else. Yeah. How, how,
0: you know, in, a, in an organization with, uh, you know, a, a lot of people where it's easy for those ler- uh, lines to get blurred or or for the water to get muddy like how I guess how do you make sure it trickles down the way you'd want it to trickle down
1: all the way to the front line um so you have to be there has to be a direct connection between the scene most senior people in the organization and that front line the more bureaucracy you have the less that's possible so right describe it yeah like it has to that has to exist um the you need the flatter your organization the easier that is to happen sure you know the more traditional it is and I mean traditional from like that hierarchy like glass ceiling kind of environment um I'm gonna make a joke but the more it's like mad men like you know like it's not yeah so uh you know moving towards um uh moving towards realizing that we all have different accountabilities and responsibilities depending on our position in an organization, but that everyone, um, you know, everyone's ideas and what they feel and think and how they contribute to the organization is just as important. Like that's, that's when, when the CEO can, or and senior leadership connects to that, then I think things start to look like, I think they, you start to have a better culture Yeah, I of agreed. listening, of listening, right? Like that's, there's the key listening.
0: Nice. Hmm. Awesome. <laughs> we, we talked about, uh, color- like we're getting
1: really philosophical here.
0: No, it's awesome. It's fantastic. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's the, you know, the, the crux of the issue that I think, you know, if, if, if someone's struggling on that particular initiative that uh you know trying to find either the issues or the uh you know the solutions the and and the path that one took to get there so i think it's it's, it's helpful and insightful um you know we we talked about talent acquisition and how you you mentioned that there's no easy solution Mm -hmm. uh you know you've you're you're currently in a industry where you're in that that SaaS space you're recruiting for you know highly skilled highly demand individuals in a market that up until the this you know layoff period Mm -hmm. was even more difficult to recruit in you've also been you know recruiting in an industry like we said where there was ninety thousand people you've been in manufacturing and production uh lots of frontline lots of blue collar like what have i guess some of the, the greatest challenges that you've been faced with and how have you mm. you know tried to, to identify ways to overcome them and and if you've had success what's what's kind of unlocked some of that potential
1: okay so if i can think of a theme that kind of goes for everything in my career <laughs> it's separated it's identifying what's going to make a great employee right and I've never, I've not been in, I've never been anywhere yet where the thing that most people focus on, although I'm with an organization that I would say with developers is, is here, but um, I've, there's this theme that the experience of somebody and their skill are what most hiring managers assess for and culture often comes along with that. But there's this gap um, of, um, that means somebody's going to be good. That means somebody can come in. What is is the term we used to use? Hit the ground running. Then come in and hit the ground running. And I've always Mm -hmm. thought this, don't hire for the person who can hit the ground running. Hire the person who's going to win the race, (laughs) who's got the long Oh, I love that who's going to grow with their job, who's going to lead to, who's going to be successful over time, not just in this moment. Um, and that's a barrier I've always had to uh, lean into from like, from a TA standpoint um, in, in in a core. Actually, even back in the agency, it's, you still, you still face this when you're dealing with clients, right? Like how, you know, you want the purple unicorn, but is the purple unicorn going to be a purple unicorn in three years from now when all your technology's changed? Right. So now I'm re- so I've I've tried to one of the things I think is part of the solution to this is is competency based hiring or and behavioral interviewing um, on what are the traits we need for someone to be successful in this role now and into the future. So as things change, this person's going to continue to be successful and add value to our organization. Because it allows you to be future ready, not just in the moment, have somebody be able to do a job.
0: Yeah, I had a really interesting discussion with a client of ours the other day and it ties so well into this, which is there are many roles and positions where there's a skill gap in the market and there is a willingness and desire from a client of ours to hire somebody who is at the upper echelon of the knowledge industry specific knowledge and skill who can come in and really reduce that runway and hit the ground running and be an impact player, short-term and long-term. And I think a lot of times the desire in doing that is also to uh, remove some of those barriers that can create turnover or a lack of longevity in the sense that you can hire somebody who's highly motivated, who's got the aptitude, but who may come into the organization and whether it's a few months or a few years, just put their hand up and say, you know what, like I hadn't been in the space before and I'm now realizing it's not for me versus mm-hmm. someone who's been in the space for a long time and is highly passionate about it. But in my conversation with one of our clients, they were looking, hey, we want to hire somebody with these skills and this experience and this, you know, background and this education, all these things. And it goes, okay, well, we can, you know, potentially try to help you find those things, but you're hugely narrowing the market. You're going to make it extremely difficult to hire. It's going to be extremely expensive to hire this individual, And, you know, why is that what your desire is? And they go, we just know this is going to be who's going to be the most successful. And I said, okay, well, of your team that exists right now, who are your most successful people? And they named two, three people. And I said, well, what were their backgrounds? And they didn't have any of the background they were looking for. One of them was previously a teacher. And like, you know, this was a first sales position and they were looking, you know, they need to have a few years of sales experience, a few years of industry experience, this and that. And, and, you know, the people who hadn't been successful as of late were people like that who were coming in. And I think the interesting thing was, is that when they hired those people, they were less involved in the onboarding and training and coaching and development pathway, because there was an assumption that you just know what you're doing and you're going to get it. And it was a total false sense of security where maybe they had a good foundation, but you still needed to teach them the way you do things, your system, your processes, your approach, your strategy, your policies. And that when they brought someone in new who didn't possess any of that, that they really took the time to hold their hand and guide them through it. And sure enough, you know, as I mentioned, the people they listed who were the high performers were the ones that hadn't had any of the background that they thought they needed. And all of a sudden the conversation shifted and they go, well, you know what? Okay. Actually let's go and hire based off what we've got right now, which is high aptitude, highly motivated, great culture fit. Uh, And all of a sudden the doors are wide open and they've had a significantly easier time of seeing great people, being able to interview more people and ultimately hiring some really like phenomenal people that fit or highly motivated And then work through the business systems to help get them educated and up to speed so they can deliver.
1: Yeah, I bet you this is a very common experience. So you asked a whole bunch of recruiters to ask hiring managers, and I'm sure most of them have the same question. They're probably going to get a similar answer. Is the top performers are not just the people who had this. They are never going to say it's because they came with this experience and these skills. They're going to give you the traits that make them successful. Yeah. Right? You know, the competencies. Um, and um um I have two that'll I don't know, I feel like I'm getting very a trade secret here, but like I have two, I'll give you one. All right. (laughs) Well, I have two, but um, but I think the single most important or the gateway one is curiosity. I think it's super critical to look for people who question things, are naturally curious. Um, and I mean this across any job. Um, people who are curious. It's like when you're a kid, you're going to learn better. You're going to be open to change. You're going to be able to move with change. Like it's one, not that it's the only, there's lots of competencies that are really important, but that particular one I think is universally important to all
0: of us. Well, it ties in our core values are, you know, HR doctors, helpful, resourceful, driven, relentless, and sensible. And I feel like it really ties into that resourceful piece of You know, we want that creativity so that you can deeply uncover where the, you know, the issues lie and ultimately Mm -hmm. help come up with strategies that will help solve those problems. So I couldn't agree more that 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 Mm -hmm. it's almost like that introspectiveness, that ownership piece of, of, you know, being accountable, but also, you know, wanting to, to solve the bigger picture issue and not Mm -hmm. absolve yourself of that responsibility.
1: Yep. hundred percent.
0: Nice. That's awesome. Uh, kind of tying into that third pillar, uh, you know, we talked about that value piece, mm-hmm. uh, how, how, you know, for me, that, that third pillar is about your pre-boarding before the person starts, your onboarding once they are there, coaching, performance management, having clear expectations, supporting how you show up for your employees. And you talked about uh, like value and how it's greater than a paycheck um and how you know that ties into a couple different pieces but maybe I'll open that to you like why why is value such an important uh, a piece for you to I guess help people understand within the organization
1: well that's your connection to people right so that's that's your heart that's like you know you got your heart for your your, uh, around your doctor there but that's what it is so um the But there's different values at different stages uh, too, right? And so the first is what's the value of the job, of the role? Um, What's the value of the organization in the world? What is the value that you offer your employees or otherwise known as your employee value proposition? Um, And um, most value we talk about is the corporate values. Obviously, you need alignment for corporate values or what make up your culture. But what are the values an employee gets out of working for your organization? So, um, because, and the, these things are um, often harmony, they should be harmonious um, between Agreed. the corporate values. Um, but, you know, um, we, we're, we're just getting into this work at our smart now, but I can tell you, I'm pretty sure uh, one of the greatest ones here is wellness. Um, we have a high focus on overall wellness um, both in giving back and mental health and in um, in, in, in health like an actual like health. We do a lot of stuff around um, around total wellness of, of the person at our organization. I can tell you I'd be surprised if and there was many employees who didn't feel a connection to, the organ to, to that particular value and it bringing value to their life. So, the employee values are the things that an organization does culturally that enhance the life of the individuals who are working for them. So, the, there's those values, and there's the corporate values, which are usually related to how we behave in terms of our values towards our customers or our clients, right? Right. Um,
0: um,
1: and then you know, this is a part of your, the cycle you're talking about at the beginning of our conversation. So how does that fit throughout that entire um, cycle and how you derive a sense of belonging through it? Because that's what creates that belonging piece, whether you're, and and that extends it beyond the person working for you. It's part of your retention strategy. It's also part of your boomerang strategy for bringing people back, and your referral strategy. Because if people feel highly connected to you that way, then they're going to tell other people, um, whether they still work for you or not. They're gonna, you know, they're gonna refer people to you. Um, I, the values here, even though they're not articulated, our employee value proposition are so strong that last year, almost fifty percent of our hires were referrals.
0: Wow. Yeah, that's amazing. That's it. I mean, it's such like a phenomenal tie in, as you said, they complement one another. It's this kind of holistic thing. I mean, I don't use this platform to try to sell my business and to try to say, Oh, you should recruit with express. I just feel in well, fact, you it,
1: no, no. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, maybe kidding. someone
0: out there is telling me I'm an idiot for yeah. not doing it, but yeah. I really feel that, you know, the piece obviously that we do is the recruitment piece, but we offer, um, advisory services to our clients to go through and say, yeah, we can do the recruiting for you, but if you want to do it, we'll give you our playbook. We'll give you our briefcase and help you better understand, you know, how we can maybe be a supportive, a resource or whether it's, you know, a, a back pocket resource. And ultimately you're going to do it on your own. Well, I'll I'll help you make sure that you're doing it as best you can, especially if you don't have the size of an organization where you can have this depth in HR. But I think in terms of that, like value greater than the paycheck as you, touched on the first being that like deep. And I mean, you, you've hit it for yourself. It's why you said you were so well aligned with your previous companies and your current one is that vision, that mission, that culture, and how, how that creates a deep tie-in that even if another company came along and it was like, Hey, Lana, like we really want to hire you. We'll give you the exact same money to come and join us. And you go, well, that's great. But like, no, and even more money, like I'm really aligned. I really feel like I've got to fit here. I believe in what we're doing. You know, that's such like a huge, like intangible value proposition. Then you've got, I really feel compensation is lost a lot of times in the equation where it's like, Mm -hmm. as an employer, our job is to create a, and I just interviewed Dave Alrich, who is fantastic. He was like the job of any company is to win in the market. and that's the best thing you can do from an HR standpoint is help the company win. And if the company's winning and profitable, then hiring your vision mission, your you know employee value proposition becomes a lot easier. But that that salary that the com- or that, that the company's paying the employee is that exchange of here's what we need you to do, you're gonna do it here's what you're going to, we're going to compensate you to do it. And we need you to do it in a way that helps us win. And then outside of that, then we start to tie in these additional perks and benefits where we can go, okay, we're going to have whatever we need to within our capabilities. And of course, you know, the Googles out there are going to do crazy stuff that not every company can do. You guys have 400 employees and have way larger budgets than my company of less than, you know, than 20. Right. Mm -hmm. And so there's certain value propositions you can or can't do. um, But ultimately, all those things tie in, like you said, which I think is such a profound piece for businesses to really be aware of, which is that value that you create, that is greater than just the paycheck. And I don't think you have to compete with the Googles if you're not the Googles, because you know, we're not competing for the same people, you know, but how are you maybe competing for the best people in your space, in your market and how that all kind of ties in.
1: It also drives into performance. Yeah. Okay. So it's not just a bit, so I can pay somebody, whatever at Google or <laughs> whoever else, you know, you know, other big tech organizations um, or organizations. Um, and that might be able to help me attract someone, but that, but why you don't want it to just be a pay- paycheck or just transactional because you want that person to be, believe in your purpose and your mission and be connected to it because they're going to do better work for you. Right, so it's even if I was one of those, even if you are a gigantic organization with like millions of employees and you it's still super important because, um, you know, having that intrinsic thing where when you where you want to perform because you want to make something better because it has an intrinsic value that you believe in um you know it also creates job satisfaction and you know because we as individuals want to have a purpose in our work we spend the majority of our life at work if we have no we don't feel that value or that purpose um you know what it was the term that they used last year quiet quitting that's what happens yeah and I think quiet quitting is actually a symptom of what we're talking about which is not feeling the connection I don't think it has to do with like, um, paycheck and I I mean, burnout's a real thing, but I think that a lot of it has to do with us feeling connected to that purpose. And if we don't, it's like, well, I'm just going to do the minimum I have to do.
0: Right. Yeah. In, in terms of if we, uh, I guess, look at from an HR perspective, the you know, like suppose like the the different customers that we serve, we've got the employees or job seekers out there. We've got the internal uh, team members and then we've got yeah. leadership. If, you know, it's either uh, someone watching, let's go from a leadership perspective and work our way down. Yeah. You know, within any of the topics, do you feel there's like a most critical or a piece of advice or something? I mean, you've been in this space for a long time <laughs> from a talent acquisition perspective. What would you say to leadership? Like, you know, if you're not doing this right, start doing it uh, and and it'll affect change.
1: Oh, my goodness. That's a big question for. Yeah. Um, what kind of change? What kind of challenge do you think? Can you give me a specific on the challenge you think that I'm trying to give advice on?
0: Well, I mean, I suppose if it was a company, uh, whether they struggle with their talent acquisition or not, I mean, that seems like it's the area where you, um, you know, have had the most focus in, in your career. So yeah. whether it's a company out there that, you know, feels they've got TA dialed and maybe it's it's keep doing this or maybe it's somebody who's struggling out there. I mean, I think a lot of companies are struggling to hire, to hire in general. Um, and the next question will be on the employees. There's, there's a lot of people out there that are struggling to find good jobs. So I guess the first would be for the company that's having a hard time hiring in their market. What would you suggest? What's well, like one thing that you feel has been either a linchpin okay. or- I'm gonna go
1: back to what I was saying before because I think sure. that is the yeah. breakthrough. It's think about what are the traits that make someone highly successful. And I think that starts, I would give the same advice to the executive team that I would give to the hiring managers, which is really understanding what your company, where you're looking to go As an organization, like what is your mission and what is your strategic plan over the next five years and what kind of. From what you've seen, what are the traits of success that will help you in your companies and moving in the direction your company is going and focusing on looking for those in the marketplace? not Mm -hmm. on this is on my resume and I have this skill and this it's looking at that instead and if you can do that you can find all sorts of amazing talent and you're not going to be competing with it in the same way because not every because because most employers are doing this okay and being with a smaller organization where our name's not necessarily known everywhere um you know you kind of have to do this, um, but, you know, you can get, you can get much better at, at doing it. And I think that's the journey we're on, but I don't necessarily think that, you know, um, impl- and, and sorry, let me switch over to the candidate side now. As a candidate, yeah. how do you express your value beyond your experience? What are you bringing to the table? Um, there is, I'm going to um, pitch a company. It was a not-for-profit called Launch Code um, that I've worked with a lot, and they have a program called Coder Girl, um, and they 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 do uh, uh, retraining or reskilling of individuals who come from different careers, and they teach them how to code. Uh, am- uh, amazing um, organization, and they have their um, women who've graduated from this program. Do a video and like show all their work and all they're capable of, but they have a video to sh- and they express for the employer, hey, here's who I am. here's what I am about. Here's what I bring to the table based on my past experience. So like, you know, I was I was a teacher. Now I'm a coder. What how does that differentiate me? Well, right. I'm you know, here's what I'm bringing to the table now. I have great leadership skills. I have great communication skills. I can, um, you know, Uh, Translate technology into layman's terms or whatever it is right Um, so how, but for all candidates, how do they translate what they bring to the table beyond that experience and skill set and then if the employers are open to it that's where you can kind of. You can kind of meet up because um, i'll tell you one of the things I hear a lot from people we hire. Is wow, you guys gave me a chance. No other company would even look at my resume or call me, uh, but you you called me. You were willing to like explore, you know, who, what I'm about and see if there could be, you know, an opportunity for me to work there. Um, yeah,
0: yeah, such sage advice. I mean, again, with that disconnect in the market, you know, companies having a hard time hiring, employer, job seekers struggling to find opportunities. I couldn't agree more that companies need to, uh, You know, either find ways to be even more competitive in the market to find that top tiered individual and if that's not possible, then you need to look at like what are the competencies, what are the behaviors, what's like a great person look like and almost build a business school internally on how we're going to hire amazing people and give them the tools they need to be successful Uh, And again, complete mirror on the job seeker side. I talk to a lot of talent acquisition people. We work with companies all day long to help them hire. We obviously get a high volume of applicants. And I don't think anybody out there expects a cover letter or expects a video or expects anything in their application process but there's nothing out there saying that you can't send something along with your resume, whether it's an email, whether it is a cover letter, but not the generic, like I'm a hardworking individual. It's, Mm -hmm. it's how, how do you understand what this company is looking for transactional, uh, Applying isn't getting anybody anywhere. If you're just, here's my resume, I'm sending it to the job, unless your resume is 100% a dead ringer. And I would really encourage anybody to really be introspective and take stock and go, it's almost impossible to know from an external perspective that your resume could be 100% of a, a fit for a job that you're applying for. And so what are you doing as a job seeker to help whoever it is that's seeing that see the value that you bring and demonstrate your understanding that employers are hiring people to turn that relationship into profit for the company. And if you don't see that and you're not willing to invest in identifying the company and understanding who they are and finding a way to articulate the value that you bring, you're leaving a lot up to chance. And that's mm-hmm. probably where you're uncovering these situations where it's like nobody's responding to me. Yeah. And I always go, like, unless you're really doing an amazing job of putting yourself forward and networking with these companies and engaging with them on LinkedIn and finding their different decision makers and really taking concerted effort. If you're just applying for jobs and that's all you're doing, you're probably, which sucks because it's like it shouldn't be that hard. Well, it is. Unfortunately, it is
1: well, and networking like so that leans into networking, yeah because sometimes the networking can help you with um further understanding your value or what's going on and like it's not just about getting into the company but getting that information like um and I don't um I don't know if everyone's skilled at networking to uncover that, right um and um, I think um you know, I actually refer people. <laughs> when I know people personally who are looking for work, I often refer them to strong recruiters. Um, they can get that help, um, you know, um, with, and recruiters are, you know, keenly aware that they need to sell the value of somebody beyond the resume to their client. So hundred
0: percent. Yeah. You're so right. Yeah. Well, uh, I really appreciate you for joining me. I hope—I mean, it's been helpful for me. You've shared some really great insights. I hope whether it's a employer who kind of hears a little bit about how they can maybe manage through the uh, the divide and the the disconnect, or, or this end piece for job seekers. Uh, again, really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for joining me.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure.